everybody, thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, despite the win, is a little frustrated with me because I took a while to open up the Zoom. And Keith, I'm, I'm saving this for right now. There we go. Hopefully that sounded pretty well. I mean, we don't, I don't know that we've ever, well, no, truth be told, we have. But it's been a while since we've been able to toast to one like this. I uh, was sitting there with what, six minutes, seven minutes left to go in the game going, how did this get away? And we've seen it happen several times, uh, particularly this year. And wouldn't you know it, and thankfully so, FSU found a way to uh, win a ball game that had every inkling and everybody in that stadium thinking they were going to lose. I think that's what makes it so great. I agree. You know, the uh, the history of Florida State and Miami. So first of all, I, I commented on our show earlier this week when we were talking about how they it was such a big rivalry that they changed the way TV broadcast games. They created Monday Night College Football with this rivalry. Correct. But but we've honestly we've had twenty years of stinkers pretty much. I mean, there's been a couple games mixed in, and, I, and when I say stinkers, we haven't had any like that that went down in the last possession for the most part. But there's been a lot of duds. There's been a few good ones. That one, even though the stakes, frankly, the stakes weren't much for either team. If you're looking at the overall record, they may be pretty severe if Miami decides to part ways with Manny Diaz and Florida State. You know, could somehow find a way to win two more and get a bowl eligible. But uh, just from an overall game standpoint, that was an entertaining football game. It was. And, and there's a part of me that reflects back on prior games, 20 years and prior, that says uh, the game should never have been that competitive. I mean, FSU goes in the halftime up, what, 24, uh, 20 to 7, and, and should have been more, uh, could have been more. And you're going, well, this game's at hand. And then Miami comes right back out and, and rolls off 21 unanswered over the third and the first part of the fourth quarter. And you go, here we go again, meaning, you know, here's 2019, 2020, 2021, all over again. And again, I, I'm, I, I know we're not going to do justice to it, but um, this was a remarkable performance in that last, last fourth, in the fourth quarter by this club. It really was. Well, you look at it and this Jimbo used to talk about four key time periods in a game. Start of the game, end of the second quarter, start of the third, and, and end of the game. Well, Florida State definitely gets A's for the start of the game and the end of the game because their first offensive possession, they went 75 yards or 78 yards for a touchdown. Their last one, they went 80 yards. The end of the second quarter, I'll even give them credit because Miami scored a touchdown and they at least got the down the field and got a field goal. Right. Where it turned, though, was the start of the third quarter. That's the step on their throat time of the game, do something. And they couldn't and it get it done. Up, it was set up perfectly because they got that field goal to finish off the half. They got the uh, second half kickoff and didn't do anything with it. And that's when, you know, the old demons come in the back of our minds and go, here we go again, here we go again. And then Miami, to their credit, made some uh, very good adjustments at halftime, at least offensively, and came out and, uh, and scored back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back, or back-to-back back and then a punt and then back. And, and uh, you know, I, again, repeating myself, I thought the game was going to get away from FSU. Well, when we talk about the demons coming back, I'm curious, Keith, those of us who've been around this rivalry forever, we know about the demons because you know the history from 1980. I know it from when I arrived in school. Everybody that's followed this knows wide right one and two and, and all that and wide left and wide muff, which went in favor of FSU. Um, I'm not sure the players – know that you know I, I think for Florida State it was more they need to overcome their own demons with this current group which is finish a football game and they did that it's not about blowing one against Miami it's about blowing one period and they overcame that in this game that was and, and, and I did not articulate that very well but that's exactly the point I'm making these kids don't know about five years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago that's that resides in us but I am also sitting there watching this game going here's 19 and 20 and 21 repeating myself again that these kids do know 
and they found a way not to make that uh, history repeat itself. I made the mistake at halftime, Keith, speaking of history repeating. I looked up the score from the 2018 game, which was Willie's first year. down. I almost said the Orange Bowl. Hard Rock Stadium. Florida State had the big lead, and I looked to see what it was. It was 20-7 to at half, the same as this game at Doak. And that's the game where D.J. Matthews then took the punt return, and it got to 27-7. to And in my head, I'm thinking, well, if we go down and score to open the third quarter, we're going to be looking at 27-7 to again. And I'm not going to tell anybody that this is exactly the same thing. We never got to 27-7. Miami started to come back sooner, and at least it had a happy ending. <laughs> Those are the things that those of us with a little age and experience uh, do to ourselves sometimes. I hear you. So there's a lot of things. You're right that this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. All the things that we would be talking about why they didn't win are going to be nitpicky, and we'll get to the nitpicky stuff later. We need to get and tip our cap to Adam Fuller's defense. And I know Miami came back in the second half, but that first half, particularly the first quarter, We haven't seen defense like that from Florida State in a long time, Keith. They were prepared. Uh, They executed well. Um, FSU defensively, you know, the things that you would change at halftime were very minimal because you're playing so well. And and what Miami staff did is is really change. And to their credit, I mean, you know, they play football too. They wear pads and they get paid. They know how to do things. And they did just that. But I, I think... More importantly than that first half was when Miami got the ball there in in their last possession, and they made that first down on the first drive of uh, first play of that uh, possession. I'm going, well, here we go again. This defense doesn't know how to finish, doesn't know how to hold, but then they did. And they forced them. It wasn't a three and out. It was three plus one and out, but it was a three and out after that first down. And uh, we'll talk about the kicking game a little later, later, but FSU did what they should do, even for the wrong reason, and let the ball hit, and it goes into the end zone. They start on the 20, and away FSU goes on that last drive. So, yeah, they had some spots in the third quarter where they didn't perform very well, but I agree with you. I think that first half, and as you mentioned, particularly that first quarter, was as good a defensive uh, performance as we've seen in a long, long time. And if Florida State would not have won, it would not have been on the defense. It would have been the offense settling for field goals in this game and squandering opportunities. So let's be clear about that. I take notes in my phone as the game goes on, Keith. The uh, first drive of the game, Miami goes three and out. They got a, a pass deflection on third down after. So it was third and short, but somebody at the line of scrimmage deflected it. Second Miami series is basically the jump ball that Omarion Cooper picks off, which was a great play. Now, the throw was behind the receiver, but still, we haven't seen FSU DBs make a play on the ball in the air, and Duke Cooper's done it twice now in three weeks against Miami and Clemson. He's got a future. Yep. So then the drive after that is the one where J.B. Robinson not only delivers a stick, but manages to grab the ball away from the receiver before he hits the ground. Now we get to the fourth Miami series, That's the sack fumble caused by Jermaine Johnson, where FSU takes over at the 12. The fifth series, Miami goes three and out uh, because there's another pass deflection on third down by Jarrett Jackson. Uh, I mean, we're – and then let's see, uh, sixth, they end up punting as well. It took to the seventh drive of the first half before they ran the flea flicker, and that's when Miami got points. And by the way, that particular – uh, pass play was very well executed because they had double verticals down that FSU had covered and they just physically weren't able to keep up with a more speedy tight end with a linebacker on that on that wheel route it was very well executed by Miami I'm gonna give them credit for that one it was and then uh, the second half Miami starts coming back and you know anytime you leave points on the board or, or you leave points on the field and don't get them on the board you always feel like they're going to come back and bite you. And so the, the defense gets three turnovers in the first quarter, and FSU only got seven points out of it. On this, on this, You know, they didn't do anything with the interceptions. Then these are the nitpicky things. They're nitpicky because they won. They're the reason you lost if you lose. Uh, one of the times they settled for a field goal, Ontario Wilson is wide open. And Travis hits him at the seven, and he has to dodge a defender. But that ball was underthrown. If you throw that ball right, that's a walk-in touchdown. Yep. And instead, FSU, that's four points they left there by that ball being – and Jordan played great. But I'm just saying, that's four points they left. And, so, and some of the other times, 
they had to settle for field goals. Uh, you know, that's when it comes back and late in the fourth quarter, you're going, yeah, if we'd have done this on that drive, we wouldn't be here right now. And we've talked all throughout the year that this team is not good enough to overcome those types of, we won't call them mistakes. We'll just call them missed opportunities. Uh, this is the first game uh, literally all year long where it didn't come back and cost them. Uh, and again, progress being made, not, not, at the rate that any of us is happy and not in the way that any of us jump up and down and do uh, uh, calisthenics over, but uh, a continued improvement. And this time against a, what I consider a very good Miami team. Now they didn't start the year went right, but they also played Mississippi state and, uh, or excuse me, Michigan state and Alabama, you know, early on, I believe. And so, you know, they have every right to be at 500 and they're above it. Uh, until this game. So, you know, a good Miami squad, not great, but good. And FSU did the things they needed to do in order to win. I went through the defensive uh, series in the first half. Let me do the offense, but then we need to talk about the end game situation. But so Florida State, after the Miami's three and out, FSU goes 78 yards and Jordan Travis gets the touchdown. I don't think they threw the ball on that drive. They just ran it right down Miami's throat. That is correct. Second drive. FSU gets it at its own 34. They got five yards on a jet sweep, but it was wiped out by a holding on Cam McDonald. They got behind the chains. Uh, they had to punt. You know, they ran a screen on third and 13. Corbin got six. So basically you get blown up on first down there by your own doing. The, the third series, now this is the one call that people would question, I would think, from Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell. It was third and one. And instead of running, Florida State tried to throw, and Jordan Travis got sacked for a mm-hmm. loss of seven or eight. And that's one you look at and go, why didn't we just run for one yard? But that's the hindsight rule, right? I don't know what it looked like on the replay, Keith, but uh, it was I guess it was a blitz and he just had no option. He did not have an option. You are correct. So the fourth possession was when FSU took over at the 12 after the strip sack and Corbin scores on the run on the first play. Let's see, the fifth. The fifth series is when they hit the big pass to Ontario. And if you lead him, it's seven, but you settle for a field goal. So it gets to 17 zip. Six series, they drove to the UM 34. And that's when they kicked a field goal, which I didn't have a problem with. I was shocked that it was short. I don't know. Did somebody tip that at the line of scrimmage? No, it just looked like he didn't hit it well. I mean, because he had the, he had the wind at his back. Right. And for that to come up, I mean, it came up way short. And I think it had been good if he had hit it good. And then the last drive, Florida State got another field goal as time expired. Um, you know, I, I don't have copious notes on that situation, but they were in the red zone, weren't able to get it in, and they settled for a field goal. You know, again, in, in, in games of this magnitude, normally when you settle for three and you could have gotten seven, it comes back to haunt you, and it certainly haunted Florida State in terms of them needing and having to score on that last drive to pull it out. But you know, uh, the good news is we're talking about them settling for three and not going for seven instead of getting beat by 21 because they, you know, had penalties. And what about what about Miami's penalties? 14 flags against Miami, some in very, very uh, fortunate for Florida State situations. Yeah, well, my first half notes, Florida State leads 20 to seven at the break. Miami had three turnovers and nine penalties at halftime. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The... Florida State went four for four in the red zone, but settled for field goal attempts. Um, Only seven points off turnovers. You know, so one of the big things in the first half is Florida State, following a great Miami punt, was literally at its own half-yard line, managed to drive all the way to – that was the drive where they missed the field goal and left it short. But in essence, you flipped the field, so I have no problem with that. I mean, mean, if you get two first downs and punt, Miami's getting the ball at the same spot. I mean, that was a great – that was an important drive. And Miami had a drive of, I think, 97 yards on one of their touchdowns. I mean, they they didn't take a lot of time, but they were long. So how does the game get close? So let me uh, – we'll, we'll go offense and defense here. You, you might look at it and say, well, Florida State got conservative in the second half. But let me remind you. So the opening drive, third and ten, Jordan Travis puts the ball in Jordan Young's hands for a 30-plus. I was standing right there. I happen to be on the Miami sideline. I don't often go to the opponent's sideline, but I was right there. He has the ball. It's going to be across midfield, close to the – I mean, what it probably would have been the 40-yard line, and it just comes out when he lands. So that that ruins that whole series, but they – you know, that's a play if you make it, you can go step on Miami's throat, but they don't. 
So the next series, the, the next series is when, when uh, Corbin fumbles. But on first down, they had a screenplay set up that Travis had to hurry out. Now, that you might credit Miami. The defender was there. If he, if he completes that, there's one safety. And at worst, Corbin gets 15 yards if that guy makes the tackle. Or he makes that guy miss, and that's a 55-yard touchdown. He scored. Yeah. Right. So that was the second series. Um, third series, they, they got it to the Miami 38. They wound up third and 11, and that's where they punted and played field position. The, the point to this, okay, then they have another series. Andrew Parchman owned this after the game, and I watched the conversation on the sideline. He missed the audible from Jordan Travis. So there's the play where he's supposed to run a fade, and he's just kind of jogging, lollygagging, and Travis throws a beautiful ball. He sees it at the last minute and gets one hand on If he runs that route, that one might be a touchdown. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. So these are all self-inflicted things. These are the kind of things when you're an average football team, they come back to bite you. Fortunately, they didn't today. All right, so I think our listeners get the point. It it wasn't a matter of getting conservative. It's a matter of you got to win one-on-ones and make plays, and Florida State, they left a lot out there. To your point, Keith, this game could have got they could have got lopsided and Miami quits. Now I know Miami would look at it and say they just missed this play and that play. I'm looking at the Florida State side. We left a lot out there. Absolutely, and and you know, it's a pleasant frustration as compared to the frustration we've had prior, but it just goes to show that by no means are we saying this team is you know going to play for the ACC championship or that you know, uh, anything else. It's just that this team has some talent and these coaches know how to coach. And if they will just execute what's being called, this team can have success. And then as they have success, that improves your recruiting. When your recruiting gets better, you get better players. Then you can start doing the other things where if you do make some mistakes, you get good enough to overcome the mistakes and you get back to the level that we're used to and accustomed to. There's some talent. There's not any depth. And so I go out at halftime, third quarter, and I see, well, there's Keyshawn Helton, who's no longer dressed out. And then I walk past a big guy that looks like a player. He's in sweats. And I see number four on his on his thigh. And I said, well, that's Jordan Wilson, the tight end, which is why Preston Daniel played so much in the second half. Jordan caught a big pass in the game. They need him as a blocker. He's out. Then Jordan Travis goes to the locker room because he hurt his elbow or his forearm or something. And I'm thinking, this is not going well because Florida State doesn't have, I mean, the receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks aren't great to begin with. And if you're going one rung deeper on the depth chart, even worse. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. And you're exactly right. Not, there's no other way to sugarcoat it or make it sound any better. So let's, is there anything before we get to FSU's last drive, anything you want to talk about, about Miami's comeback or what, how they were able to, okay. I, I hate to go to, to number five and Brendan Gant, but he had two catastrophic penalties in this football game. Yep. One was a face mask on a punt. Now Miami did not, they ended up instead of being at their nine, they started that drive at the 24 and they punted. So that one technically didn't hurt FSU except for the field position, but the, the running into the kicker that, it was going to be FSU ball right there. It changed it from fourth and 11 to fourth and six. Miami goes for it and ultimately scores. That is a penalty that cannot happen. And Brendan, he's had, he, he had early, he had the, now I, I didn't necessarily agree with the call, but he had the hit out of bounds at Wake Forest and the following week against Louisville, both which extended drives and led to points. Same exact thing here. You cannot make that play. You can't make it. That's a case my opinion, where uh, you're letting your emotions and you're letting the, you, you're feeling the pressure to make a play. Instead of just letting the play come to you, you try to do more than you're supposed to do. And more times than not, that will always get you in trouble. That's maturity. In fact, to be brutally honest, it's selfishness because you're, you're trying to do something that you're not capable of doing the way you want to do it. And all you're doing is hurting your team. It's the same thing when somebody swings at you and you retaliate because they always catch the second person. You know, somebody swings at me and I've got my helmet on, he hits my face mask. He's not hurting me. And if I swing back at him, I'm the one that's going to get flagged. I've got to show the maturity. Now I will also tell you, and we talk about this all the time now that we're old, but 
you know, two, two series later, three series later, I'll still remember. And when I get a shot, he'll remember. That's exactly the way you take care of business. So that running into the kicker, that's the drive ultimately where Miami takes the lead 21-20. I should point out the previous drive was the deflected pass at the goal line, and I was standing in the back of that end zone. I'm sure TV showed it on replay. Nobody misplayed that for Florida State. It was just a lucky bounce. They went. He went to the underneath receiver. The two defenders who were in the end zone moved forward to try and make the tackle. In so doing, the ball carried over their head. They didn't misjudge the ball. It was just, it's the same end zone that Peter Warwick got the carom off of Marquan Manuel's hands in 1998. He wasn't in the end zone when he caught it, but he got there. Same end zone, basically a lucky play. It went Miami's way. Otherwise, they're going to have to kick a field goal there. So that's that's just, I mean, sometimes that happens. That's football. Uh, that ball's not round. It's oblong and it bounces in funny ways. So we'll move forward in this game. Florida State drives, and let's see, uh, I, I made notes. So Florida State starts a drive at its own 25 with roughly 9.09 to go. They get to a fourth and three on the Miami 11 with five minutes left. They're trailing 28-20. They opt to kick the field goal. So in the moment, and they make the field goal to make it 28-23. There were some boos. Some people wanted Florida State to go for it. I thought it was the right call. Absolutely you... the right call. Absolutely the right call. Yep. I was sitting I was sitting in the varsity club. I had three or four guys around me going, why are they kicking? Why are they kicking? I said, because you got five minutes or whatever it was. You got three timeouts, and your defense has been playing well. I don't know what the other metrics say, but the book says kick the field goal. Yeah, and it and it proved right. So whatever the other metrics, if it didn't say that on the metrics, the metrics were wrong in this one, which would be your point. So you can say, ha, ha I told you so to the metrics. <laughs> you can do that little dance, Keith. So uh, so Miami then, uh, let's see. Well, that's when they, they get the ball back and they get the, they get 10 or 12, they get, get a first down on the first play. And that's when I, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, I'm going, oh, geez, here we go again. But then it was three and out after that. Now, granted, it was three plus one, but we're going to call it three and out after that. Well, and Mike Norvell hung on to his timeouts, too, because he was going to wait one more first down. So they got it to third and four at the 43 with 234 left. They come up short. There really was no decision there for Manny, because if he goes for it there and misses, I mean, they wouldn't even let him on the team playing back home. He'd have to walk home or or hitch a ride. Yeah. Yeah. So – this is then where Ontario Wilson, knowing how the ball was going to bounce, opts to pass on the fair catch at the 10, and the ball just caroms right into the end zone. He knew that was going to happen, right, Keith? It, that's a gutsy call. That particular one doesn't meet the definition of a slam dunk. But, again, the odds are, if you're at the 10-yard line, and he had a defender near him, it would have been it wouldn't have been a difficult catch, and I'm not saying there should have been or would have been a penalty. But it's not like he was all by himself. And so you he he if you ask him, he may tell you he didn't feel like he could get to the ball clean, and that would be an acceptable thing. But I'm not catching that ball anyway. I mean, at that particular point, I've got to go, I've got to go the field. Does it matter if I start on the 10 or start on the three? It doesn't. Now I'm not sure he processed all that information, but my point simply being if the ball's not short and if you're going to make the fair catch get out of the way and let the ball do whatever the ball is going to do. Hey, Keith, I'm going to do something before we, before we talk about this last drive. With the loss, this is another year that Miami is not going to win the ACC championship, which makes them <laughs> O for their time in the league. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, you're killing me, Tommy. You're killing me. I'm sorry. Hey, I got to have some fun. Uh, I am at the house, by the way, folks. If you listen regularly and I do this show when I'm driving home, I am I am firmly at the house. Keith can attest that is, that is not one on the road. I just want to say <laughs> I want to state that for the record. Uh, so bottom line, it goes into the end zone. They get it at the 20 yard line. Now, I will say this. I don't know if TV picked it up. Uh, I don't recall when it was somewhere in the fourth quarter. I'm going to I'm going to guess midpoint of the fourth quarter. Mike Norvell comes over and he's talking to Jordan and Mackenzie Milton. They have a conversation that finishes. And then he immediately walks to Ja'Kai Douglas, and they have a conversation. And I don't know what it is, but if the head coach is coming to talk to a receiver, you know it's akin to, so what look are you getting or what do you think is the play there? What what? It was one of those kind of conversations, and it was brief, but Ja'Kai nods, Norvell walks away, and I'm thinking, 
they got something in the back pocket for Ja'Kai Douglas. Uh, well, that's my other point, Tommy. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying one or the other. He's had the conversation with Jordan. He knows that this will work. It's in the game plan. So he goes and tells Douglas, this is what we're going to do. Not- yep, could have been, exa- been exactly that. Right. I, talked to, I talked to Jordan Travis after the game. He said it was the same exact play call as against Notre Dame when Douglas got the touchdown, which basically, you know, you got a guy, is he a receiver? He's, is he a running back? And I don't know who Miami had on him, but he's fast, and they were able to get him out there, and, and he makes the catch. And so right away, like if you start at your own 20 and you gain three yards, six yards, the crowd's getting antsy. They're looking at the clock. What it reminded me of, different circumstances certainly it reminded me of okay Auburn just scored you got to go the length of the field and Winston immediately hits Rashad Green and they go 60 yards and now you're in the red zone and everybody's back into it that's what that play reminded me of I mean different different situation but it's a huge play in fact it's such a huge play that it's time now for our prime meridian performance of the game and it goes to Ja'Kai Douglas FSU's last scoring drive, as you mentioned, balls on the 20 after not finally not catching a fair uh, fair catching a punt. Jordan Travis lost that tight spiral. Douglas runs into it. It's a thing of beauty. 59 yards and setups. What would be the go-ahead score? What a performance. Stop by and check out the folks at Prime Meridian Bank. They'll greet you by name, offer you something to drink, and oh, those delicious cookies. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank, locations in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, a great performance. It's time now for the portion of the program, Keith, where we discuss ACC officials before we get back to Florida State winning the game. And we'll be right back to you. (laughs) So, Jeff Flanagan was the official today. And I can tell you, and I know this because before every game, Keith, I get the flip card, home or away, I take a picture of the officiating crew, and I, I tweet it, and I just say, today's referee is. A lot of times, there's not much response. If Jeff Flanagan is on the list, my mentions blow up. Everybody assumes he's got it in for FSU. The game is over. We've lost. So, of course, today was Jeff Flanagan, who also did the Notre Dame game. That's, these are the only two games he's done this year. Tommy, this- I'll, I'll have this to say. We're, we're uh, halfway through, uh, almost halfway through November, uh, it appears that the hurricane season is going to be slightly less than bad, and we've dodged another bullet. Something could happen between now and the end of the month. But I always say, you know it's going to be a bad day when you wake up in the morning and open your shutters, your blinds, and you look out, and Jim Cantore is standing in your front yard. <laughs> it's going to be a bad day. When the, when the tweet comes from Tom Block and the first name at the top of that tweet is Mr. Flanagan, it's going to be a rough ball game. One thing that I knew for sure, and I, at this point, Keith, I've lost track of if it was his crew that didn't throw that threw the flag on Freddie Stevenson in the 2016 Clemson game. I can't even remember anymore. But I do know if Jeff Flanagan's crew does the game, there's going to be a lot of flags on the field. And sure enough, Miami has – I mean, they, they just over-officiate the game every What about time. the one they didn't throw on the pass interference? Well, this is why I said we're going to interrupt the game-winning drive to talk about second and 10 from the 20. I mean, okay, we, we had this conversation when we were at Clemson, Keith. The back judge, 40 yards away from the play – throws the flag on Kevin Knowles after neither official on the sideline calls it. So now we have the opposite. The back judge, same distance away, is looking, oh, by the way, he got mugged. It wasn't a question of, well, you really, if you turn around to play the ball, I won't throw it. He tackled him. He tackled him. No flag from any of the officials. I mean, Keith, we've all seen pass interference. And at this point, now it's not – spot foul but you're at the 20 it's going to be half the distance to the goal and first first and goal at the 10 is what it was going to be and and it winds up getting to the fourth down play that we'll talk about Keith how in the world is that not called the only thing and and on a scale of one to ten this would be about a point five the only thing I could think of and I would vehemently disagree with it but the only thing say. I could think I know of what you're gonna say is that it was uncatchable oh I didn't think you were gonna say see 
It may have appeared that way, but that's because he impeded his process. Progress. I'm, not so like, I, I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm saying that's the only thing I can credit an intelligent, well, let me raise, a, a sane mind to. I thought you were going to say that they looked at it and thought that it was equal parts offense and equal parts defense, i.e. they were both pushing each other, and so they didn't th- call anything. It was a terrible non-call. The irony here right now, Keith, uh, my son Nolan is in fifth grade, and they're in the middle of the Tropicana speech contest. And this is from the they don't far fall far from the tree category. He's doing his speech on when the Saints got hosed in the NFC Championship game and a few years ago by by with the non-pass interference call. That one was the most egregious one I've seen that wasn't called since the Rams-Saints game a few years ago. <laughs> I am not disagreeing with you, Thomas. I am not disagreeing. Okay, so anyway, somehow after all that, Let's see. We get uh, to fourth and the ball game, fourth and 15. How in the world, and and I'll have to go back and look at it, not only does Parchment get open on a dig route, somebody else was there like for FSU, and it like there were two receivers in the area, so somebody screwed up, but either one of them could have caught it, I think, when I watched it live. Uh, agreed. Uh, I was sitting where I'm sitting in my seats in the, in the, in the varsity club. The ball was thrown right at me. And when, when he let go of the ball, there were two defenders there, and my mind's processing one or both of them are going to knock this ball down. I don't know how it got through. And then you could make the argument that we did go back and look at it, but he almost scored on the daggum thing. Well, It was amazing. And I talked to Parchment after the game. So Parchment, he's from Fort Lauderdale. First of all, he gets the line of the year. This is one of the best quotes. I'm sure he trotted out to the main media, but – Remember, he transferred from Kansas, right? He grew up in Fort Lauderdale. He knows FSU Miami. He comes in and he says, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I said, no, we are, we are not. He goes, this is not Kansas, Kansas State. I said, no, sir, this is not Kansas, Kansas State. Oh, did he have red shoes on? <laughs> he did not. He did. So, Okay, just since I shouted out Nolan, my daughter's at Young Actors Theater, and they're doing Wizard of Oz, and I just watched that last night and saw Dorothy in her in her red slippers. <laughs> um, but so we did the interview. Uh, he was 100% accountable for the fact that he missed the audible earlier in the game. He said, I'm, I can't point fingers. That thumbs at me. I'm a senior. That was my screw-up. So good for him for owning it. But I, then I said, that's the best catch you've ever made where you didn't score a touchdown, isn't it? And he, he kind of grinned from ear to ear. I said, because Miami had to waste its timeouts. They burned them all. They spent it. He goes, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you honestly, as I'm sitting there, I was hoping they wouldn't call it a touchdown. I'm like, no, no, he's down at the six-inch yard line. If we can't, if we get four cracks from the six-inch line and can't score, well, Miami deserves to win. By the way, did, did you notice that formation? Did not. I'd have to go back and look at it. It was, it was the kneel-down formation. Oh, for the touchdown. I thought yeah, you were on the parts for the touchdown. I've never – I mean, I, I, I've, I've just never seen that before. It was – they were thinking of the Bush push from when USC beat Notre Dame. Just put the backs behind them and start pushing them in. And then they ran the first time and didn't get it. And then they ran the second time, and Jordan tried to go to his right and didn't get it. And the third time they ran it, he went to his left and did get in. I just didn't want Parchment to, to score and have Miami have a minute left and two timeouts. Agreed. And, there, you know, people that are sitting around me were complaining about letting the rock clock grow, clock grow. You know, there's a lot of things that we have not yet uh, bought into and become accustomed to relative to Coach Mike Norvell. You know, going forward on fourth down. By the way, both teams combined to go six for six on fourth downs this game. Miami was four for four. FSU was two for two. Um, so we, you know, we, we're just not used to that, but one thing that you can never, I don't think we'll see, hopefully we'll have another, what, 20, 32 years and he can have 34 like coach Bowden, but managing the clock and managing into half and into game scenarios, you know, I, I think Norvell's written the book or is at least rewriting the book. I thought, I thought it was perfect what he did. I mean, he, he did it at the end of the first half, too, the way he bled the mm-hmm. clock. Basically, we're going to get four downs from the 10, and Miami, we're either going to get a field goal or a touchdown, but Miami's not going to have any time left. They're not going. getting the ball again. Yep. 
And so Miami ended up, I don't even know if I noted that. I stopped taking notes at that point. What did they have, 21, 25 seconds maybe when they got the ball back? Uh, plus or minus, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was – how beautiful, by the way, going back to Jeff Flanagan, for the game to end with him getting on the mic and saying, well, quarterback spiked the ball with two seconds left, and by rule there's got to be at least three, so this game is over. <laughs> at least he knew the rule. He, he knew the rule. <laughs> Hey, this was a fun one. It was a fun one. And and so, you know, Miami's flying back right now and their fans are going to torch them because they have a more talented football team than FSU. They simply do. They have better players. I don't follow recruiting enough to tell you how many. If you lined up the starting 22s out there, I, I bet the people who are recruiting experts would tell you that Miami is better man for man at what, 17 of the 22 positions probably in terms Maybe of Maybe not that many, but, but 15 or 16, just to split hairs with you. Right, right. And they have better depth, and their coach has been there longer. And, uh, I mean, he's an FSU alum, but I'm okay with him taking one for, for the FSU team today. Um, I, I, this, is, this is a significant win for FSU, Keith. I, I don't know if they'll get bowl eligible. I do know that Florida is a mess right now. Miami – is they're five and five now, right? And they've they've Correct. got. I, I don't even think they have a kid committed from South Florida. I don't know how you're in Miami, where Howard Howard Schnellenberger wrote the book on the state of Miami and you know that that whole thing. And I, I read someone's article this morning that said they only have like seven or eight commitments. Period. Well, they're gonna, they're going to go to the transfer portal, but the, but the bottom line is, and there were a ton of recruits there today, so they saw a great game. They saw a great atmosphere. So there's been two games that high-profile recruits have been at in Tallahassee this year. <clears throat> one was Notre Dame and one was Miami. How was the atmosphere in both of those football games? Exactly, exactly. They, they saw a great atmosphere. and but, but, but more than that, I mean, so FSU wins the game. I, I don't know that kids make a decision based on who's the head-to-head winner, but they might on atmosphere and trajectory of the program. Hopefully they're making it on it that. It certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. It's a and then I didn't watch any of the Florida game, Keith. But if they're giving up fifty plus points to Sanford, and I, I realized this Florida State team lost to Jacksonville State earlier this year, that Florida football team six weeks ago played Alabama within a two point conversion and suddenly has quit on its coach. And it, it might be beyond quitting on the coach; they might be outright trying to lose if they're in a game with Sanford that goes to seventy fifty two or whatever the score was. Well, and remember they let two coaches go during this week after their performance against South Carolina last time out. Uh, at one point, Sanford was up 42-14, to 14, maybe 42-21. to 21. I mean, Florida had to score a bunch of points to get back in it and then to pull away. Um, I, I don't know. You know, it's going to be interesting. FSU first has got to travel to uh, Alumni Stadium up in, uh, in uh, Massachusetts and take on Boston College, which, you know, I don't know what team's going to show up for B.C., uh, they have played very well this year. They've played very poorly in other situations. So we'll worry about Florida after Thanksgiving. But um, certainly the trajectory is is much different between those two programs. Or actually, if you want to look at the big three between FSU, Florida, and Miami right now. That's what I'm saying. Think of, think about that. It's a four and six football team. Now, we all know they should, FSU should be five and five right now, but they're not. We can't go back and change that result. They're a four and six football team with a more positive trajectory at the moment than Miami and Florida. Given, I mean, Florida has been to three straight. I'm starting to call them BCS. What do we call them now? New Year's six. New Year's six. I wanted to say BCS. That another sign I'm old. <laughs> They've been to three straight New Year's six bowl games, and firing two coaches on Monday of this week may not be enough. They played so bad they may have to fire more before this show actually, uh, you know, is in people's podcast feeds. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, college football is is very exciting, both on and off the field, is it not? <laughs> it is. It is. I, I'll tell you what, when you when you watch a game, like so let's go back and let, let's focus it back to FSU. So bottom line, it's good for FSU. They win the game. They had a lot of recruits there. Jordan Travis in this game, Keith, 22 carries for 62 yards and two touchdowns. Now that counts the sacks, so his, his average run was less than three. But throwing the football, 18 of 26 for 274, no touchdowns or no picks. I mean, he played a great football game today. 
he played he played a great a great football game. You know, I would agree, and I don't want to take away from it, but I do want to mention the one statistic that has been historical, uh, going back a couple of decades or more. FSU outrushed Miami 160 yards to 43 yards. And you go back and look at this ball game. Doesn't matter who's playing, we're playing. What's going? What's on the line? The team that runs the ball the best wins this particular ball game most of the time. And after back-to-back very poor outings, and I know Miami's defense is not defensive old, but to put up 160 yards on the ground, um, I mean that was a remarkable statistic. Not world-beating, but a remarkable statistic. Some of that is because of Jordan, not meaning the physical yards, but the threat of what he can do opens those lanes. I mean, the difference from last week to this week, NC State's a better football team than Miami, even though Miami beat them. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. seen the two Mm -hmm. teams back-to-back. NC State dropped a bunch of passes and should have won that football game, but Miami did beat them head-to-head. But, I mean, we saw them last week and this week. Who's a better football team? NC State's a better football team. And talking about better, uh, you know, the guy that is starting to really elevate himself, I mean, just watching the way he carries himself, I paid particular attention to him. And, and of course, I'm talking about Jermaine Johnson. He is starting to look like a first-round draft pick. The way he carries himself, the way he interacts with his teammates, uh, the, the way he looks. Uh, and he had a tremendous game. In fact, he's our Hobson Chevrolet defensive performer of the game, and that's Jermaine Johnson. Coming to the Miami game, he was leading all of the FBS in sacks. All he did was add to that lead, Tommy, seven tackles on the day, including three sacks and a forced fumble. Had a huge game in his last appearance at Doak. I'd encourage you to make the short drive to Cairo and check out my good friends at Hobson Chevrolet. New car or truck, used car or truck, it doesn't matter. They got them all. Great selection and always the best price. Get your next vehicle the Hobson way. He has been impressive. Here, Thomas is not far behind him either. I talked to Jermaine on the field uh, two questions before they went in, and obviously he's happy. I, I, let's, I, I've done this before, Keith, but we're in an era where guys – get enough tape and they shut it down. This guy transferred in for one. It's not even one full year. It's going to be 10 months. He spends at FSU, right? I mean, if FSU doesn't go to a bowl game, well, 11 months, January one to December one, we'll call it. If they're not going to a bowl game, that's his FSU career. All right. This guy's got enough tape right now. He is such a team guy. And you're talking about somebody that he is a first round pick in my mind. He's a guy that would be affected by an injury, potentially. He seems to me like the last guy that would shut it down. Like if FSU somehow gets to six and six, Keith, and, the, you know, some teams at six and six, do we want to play a bowl game? Am I going to play in the bowl game? He strikes me as a guy that say, hell yeah, I'm playing in the bowl game. I'm helping turn the culture at FSU right now. That is an amazing thing for a guy that didn't grow up on FSU. He's only been here since January. I, I can't be more impressed with the, the few times that I've interacted with him and we've had him on this show. Uh, he's just a quality guy and a hell of a football player. And to think about it, you know, what did he leave? He left the number one defense in the country by a margin. And even if you're a role player on the number one defense in the country, people are paying attention to you. I mean, what risk did he take by coming here and playing on the, in this program? Uh, but he did and he committed to it. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to spend any time with him, but everybody that I've talked to that have been around him at all echoes exactly what you're saying. Um, you know, you never know. The NFL's funny, but uh, certainly he has elevated his play to the point where uh, all of us are paying special attention to him, and rightfully so. I mean, it's impressive. Three sacks. I was in my head. I don't know how I answered this question. I was thinking, when's the last time an FSU defender had three sacks? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Josh Kando did it early in his career. He had four against Delaware State. That's a little different than three against Miami with a strip sack. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it just a heck of a football game. Yeah, Keir Thomas had six tackles. Kevin Knowles, Jarvis Brownlee. I know he got beat. At, so here's a here's another thing. Like when we talk about the defense progressing, I mean, there were one or two throws where maybe guys weren't close, but even when Miami completed passes. The, the, the DBs were draped over. It took a great throw from the quarterback to get there. And, and the DB, that's the way it should be. I mean, that was good football from the defense. 
what what I would say, and I hope our listeners would echo, is that if you compare first two games of the year versus the last two or three games, what you've seen is consistent improvement. Now, I personally think Brownlee did not have a good game. He had good numbers, but he did not have a good game. He did not play well. And based on what I know about him, he might be the first one to tell you that. Um, but um, overall, they're starting in, to make plays. You know, I was disappointed in the missed tackle on the on the zigzag touchdown that Miami scored on. That could have been brought down at the 20. Might have still scored, but it would have taken them a couple of other plays. But you're right. People are not running wide open and free all the way into the end zone like we unfortunately saw earlier in the in the season. But but not only that, we've talked about the last few weeks when Florida State has gotten turnovers, they are they are not, oh look, a weird carom and I happen to be right here. They are not, oh, the quarterback, the receiver broke in and it was actually an out route. And so I got they're actually going and getting the football in these plays. We, we, use, the term, took it, we use the term making a play on the ball. When you have the opportunity, you've got to make a play on the ball, and they've started doing that. That's what separates the the average to good versus the very good to great. By no means are we great now, but we're moving, again, that trajectory that we talk about. The uh, The team was so excited afterwards that the whole offense went back. They came into the locker room. They, uh, you know, I didn't even ask who, who broke the uh, rock with the sledgehammer. Couple, couple. Jordan could have done it. I mean, it might have been JJ. I'm not really sure who it was. They so, but anyway, they finished the talk from Norvell, and then I won't say which coach, but one of them says, "Hey, we're going out to get a picture right now to document this." So the whole offense, still in pads, goes back out on the field with the scoreboard on and poses in front of the goalpost with the Chiefs there to take a picture. And the scoreboard says, "Knowles win." Because and and so that comes across as hey it's cocky. This wasn't so they could post it on their social media, though I'm sure they're doing it. It's so they can remember that if you play as a team, and this is what you can get to. That's why the coach wanted it, wanted the picture taken. I'm I'm smiling. Obviously, our listeners can't see us, and they know that we tape this on Zoom, so Tommy and I can look at each other. I got a big grin on my face because I'm going to wax the old man on you, Tommy. Forty one years ago. The entire defense of Florida State went back out to what was then called the big scoreboard. And I have that photograph in my ego room. And our last game at Doak was against Florida. And it didn't have a lot that it could put up there. You know, you could only put letters and numbers. And all it said was four in a row. Because mine was the first class to beat Florida four times in a row. And those guys uh, will cherish that memento uh, for the rest of their lifetime. So I'm glad they got the opportunity to do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was well-earned and that's a great story. Was, was the spirit spear in that picture when it said, no, Florida? I'm so old. It was before the spirit. Spear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see folks, you'd think we'd script that, but I literally did not know that. And now Keith is just divulged <laughs> that he's even older than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. They had invented the transistor back then. We'd have to check Wikipedia, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking at my uh, stat sheet before we wrap up to see what we. I know Corbin had a big fumble. He also had 68 yards rushing and a touchdown. Jordan had 62. Treshawn Ward had uh, two catches for for 56 yards. One of them was a big catch, I think, on third or fourth down too. Yeah, long of 30. Uh, just, just looking, I mean, it, it was a good football game. Ontario Wilson played well for some reason. And I think the reason might be that Miami can't tackle. We knew that going in, uh, the, the bubble or the little swing screen to, to Ontario was there a couple times. And instead of getting no gain, he was getting seven, eight, 10 yards. I was like, look at that. We can actually get some yards. We can them. execute it. Somebody can get in front of somebody. <laughs> uh, I don't have all the defensive stats in front of me, but obviously Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, they continue to anchor that line. It was, it was just a good – if you look at the total yards, and I know you can get to, to better, more advanced stats than this, but uh, 74 plays for 434 yards for FSU and 70 for 359 for Miami. And and think about that total for FSU because a third of it came on the first and last drive of the game when they got basically 150 or 160 yards on those two drives. In tight ball games and rivalry ball games, those are the things that happen. Uh, it's, it's, 
you know, more times than not, history does repeat itself in this, uh, in this era. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more happier for the kids. Uh, I, 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 as I mentioned at the top of the show, and I'll just close with this, I sat there with, uh, what, six or seven minutes left on the clock going, you know, they let another one get away. And they uh, did what they needed to do to win, both offensively and defensively. And uh, my hat's off to the kids. My hat's off to the coaching staff. It was a great crowd. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest of crowds, but it was a great crowd, particularly given where the last three years have been, and, or even four years. And uh, I'm just happy for, for the kids. Happy for the kids. Very happy for the kids. Yeah, me too. And we'll, we'll see how they can build on this. Try to get one against BC. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, if they could get BC, you know, you start counting wins, Keith, and we'll always look back at that Jacksonville State thing. They get a win at BC and Florida has packed it in. The Swamp is usually a tough place to play, but it, it might be a little false bravado from Florida. You know, they, they might show up for the first quarter, first half, and if FSU is actually dialed in and locked in, they might be able to get out of there with a win. You know, we use the expression, the boxing expression. I was never a boxer, but, you know, when, when a team's on its heels, if you punch it in the mouth, it may quit. So, you know, the, 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 the thing is you get past BC. If you lose that ball game, it doesn't matter. If you win that ball game, then you have an opportunity to go down to Florida Field and uh, get an opportunity to punch them in the mouth and see how they react. Uh, now, I'm not here to tell you that Florida will quit. And certainly anytime you play down there, it's a rough ball game. But uh, I like the way things are shaping up. I'll just be be blunt that way. Keith, I think we're – I don't know if we're out of time, but I know that I'm out of beer. So I think that I'm going to end this now unless there's anything we missed. <laughs> I'm going to – I'm a, uh, what would be the right word? I'm going to allow you to exercise that good judgment as regards this particular podcast. How about that? I think that's for the good of us all. Folks, enjoy it. Florida State beats Miami. Bask in the glory of that. Miami's uh, win streak. Look at it this way. Miami might have won four in a row, but the better way to look at this is FSU's won eight of the last 12 against the Canes, right? So That's, that's what we're, we're going to go with. That would be two-thirds of the games over the last decade plus. So we'll, we'll just take that. Keith, we'll catch up again on Wednesday. Enjoyed it, sir. You bet. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.